This is Meet Mitch, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how's it going? You have a great show of a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, what?! Eight I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. And just like that, we are into the second hour of the Barbecue Central Show, where we talk about only the most high-level important things that are going on within this industry that we call live fire. If you missed the first hour, shame on you. We had first-time guest to the show and the owner of the Barbecue Supply Company, Mike Luce, from Greendale, Wisconsin. In fact, somebody was in the chat who's been to his place. And then we had Wes Wright in his normal spot, third Tuesday, 35 past the first hour. We talked about all the Weber stuff that was released at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas last week and what was good and what wasn't. We both agreed Searwood has all the potential that the smoke fire should have had, but blue. We seemed indifferent on the griddle, seemed a little pricey, and then the price didn't slow down once we got into the Summit Smart Gas Grill starting at 3800 bucks. In fact, Wes mentioned that there was a model out there that wasn't even the high end for 5G's so we thought that was a little high for what Weber's trying to achieve we also talked about the indoor smoker from GE getting a lot of praise and we both chuckled at this point at the Sear Grill Perfecta which is using AI technology where you just have to push buttons and then it takes over all of the cooking and making sure everything's done that way so if you missed the first hour you will get in podcast tomorrow, second hour on Thursday. We'll tell you about Friday here in just one second. Still to come on the show this evening, Andrew. 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 Andrew, you are. Andrew Zimmern and Jess Priles. We say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of the video streaming platforms. You can go to facebook.com slash BBQ Central Show. You can go to twitter.com slash BBQ Central Show. You can also go to YouTube dot com slash at bbq central show where you will also find a robust chat and a new weekly poll and we're asking everybody this wow through wild card weekend which of the three was the biggest loser dolphins dallas or eagles and it is quickly becoming a boat race it's been picked by every guest on here but me dallas is starting to run away with it at 73%. Dolphins coming in at second at 18%. Anybody think that the Dolphins, that like that was a shock? They play in Miami. It's routinely 70 and 80 degrees down there. And they traveled to Kansas City where the ambient temperature was negative 7. Warm teams are not going to play well, no matter the talent. 
And I'm not trying to dump on the Dolphins. By the way, when you say I'm not trying to, that means you're going to. So let me rephrase this. I'm going to dump on the Dolphins and say their quarterback, while athletic and fairly consistent, he's kind of shrimpy. (laughs) I'm not shocked that the Chiefs move on. That's what they do in the postseason. They find a way to win, and they move on, and it was really cold, and the team they were playing is not used to seven below zero. I don't think the Chiefs are that used to seven below zero, but fully more capable and used to that kind of a weather than you're getting with the Dolphins. I'm still maintaining the Eagles are the biggest flop. I thought for sure they were going to show up on Sunday or last night. Was that last night? And win one before they made a second round exit. But no, shame on me. Losers of six out of seven and shocking at that. So we'll track it through the rest of the show. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. This coming Friday, episode 317, taking you back to January 19th of 2010. I mentioned it before a couple weeks ago. You will notice that the Fridays of shows past, am I saying that right? That the best moments of shows past that are being posted This Friday, the Friday before, the Friday before, all match up with their original air dates. So we're taking you back to January 19th, 2010, but this coming Friday is January 19th, 2024. Wow. So being featured this week are the co-founders of the officially unofficial band of the Barbecue Central Show, Three Years Hollow. Yes. In fact, do I have some? Do I have some? No, I don't. I have me. Do I? D-O-A. No, that's dead or alive. Oh. Bringing the show to a screeching halt because I thought I had a pull and I did not. The officially unofficial show. Three years hollow. Lead singer Jose Urquiza. And then, not anymore, lead guitarist Tony Reeves joined me. The very first time we talked about their journey into music, who inspired them, and what it was like trying to break into the music industry at that time back in 2010 certainly looks a lot different, 14 years removed. You might recall a little over a year ago, Jose actually sat in as a guest pro judge for what ended up being the final season of Barbecue Central Show's American Idol. And we say final season because I won that season. And I maintained that the season that I win it is also the season that that whole bit dies. So I beat Rusty handily. And so Barbecue Central Show's American Idol died. This was a very fun interview to do. And listening back to it a week or so ago, it was great to hear it again. And also, it's fun to get outside the box of normal conversation of barbecue and grilling and get some perspective on other industries. It's rare that you can really do that. And especially in an industry that a lot of us have dreamed of doing at one point in our life, who wouldn't want to be a rock star. These guys are living the rock star lifestyle, by the way, still living what has turned into a very successful rock star life and career for the folks that remain in three years hollow. 
their buddies with all sorts of big names. I still use three-year hollow music to this day. I'm a huge fan of all their music. If you are into Seven Dust and Breaking Ben and Chevelle, this type of music, but in their own voice, in their own way, I suggest giving them a search on Spotify. Cracks is my favorite album. I can put it on and listen to it start to finish. But also Ascension, I think, was their first one. It's got Wasted and Suffer and all bunch of great songs uh, right up my alley. So if that's your type of music scene, you're not familiar with Three Years Hollow, I recommend giving them a search. They're very good. You won't be disappointed. If you want to hear a guest or a segment again on the show you think has been lost in the archives, write John, the executive producer of the show, an email and let him know what you would like to hear. J-O-N at the BBQ Central Show dot com is the email address. Don't mind me peering around. There's a cat around these general parts. I'm trying to figure out what the hell he's up to. At some point, he's going to be on this desk. I know it. I'm going to lose my mind. J-O-N at the BBQ Central Show dot com. Now you're asking yourself, what could I possibly be poised to talk about for the next minute and a half. Here comes the money. Here comes the money. money yes. Money, 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 money. The gift that keeps on giving. Here comes the money. All right. We said it already. It's the new Memphis Barbecue Festival. However, there's been some breaking news. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Greg Rempe reporting from the breaking news desk here in Cleveland, Ohio. The city breaking the most live fire breaking news across the country. Nay, the globe. And we finally have a name. If you don't follow me on social, it's new to you. The new name. The given name of this new event is called Smoke Slam. <laughs> With the tagline, the world's ultimate barbecue showdown, three-day event will take place from May 16th through the 18th this year, Tom Lee Park, and attracting over 100 interested teams. I'm not sure exactly how many of those teams have signed up. Melzy Wilson, somebody I've been trying to get on the show to also talk about this stuff, a lifelong supporter of competition barbecue, a respected community leader with over 20 years in the sport, has joined the Smoke Slam Steering Committee to help the organizing event. And she's the one that basically brokered the Memphis Barbecue Network sanctioning partnership that's happening. Also, the event carries a purse that we know, $250,000, largest in pork barbecue competition history. You will also get a golden ticket if you win one of those categories, because guess who else has jumped in? The World Food Championships. <laughs> Judging will be blind and on-site for the preliminaries. Categories include whole hog, ribs, pulled pork, with prizes awarded across five places per category, totaling 150 Gs in prize money. Seven categories of dessert, bacon, duck, poultry, beef, seafood, and wings have been added. Total prize purse of 40 grand in five places across those categories. If you win what I'll call those ancillaries, you also get a golden ticket to the World Food Championships this year. 
Small prizes to the value of ten grand will also be awarded. So plenty of money being slung around. You do have the opportunity to get applications. They go up and online this week. Not sure exactly when. And Smoke Slam's mission will be to produce an inclusive event that enhances the rich tradition of the barbecue in Memphis, the unique river setting, and the city's musical heritage. By the way, if you were looking for some type of entry fee cost, it's uh, somewhere between $2,000 for a basic space, $3,500 for a large booth, including entrance fee, some electrical access, and ablutions. Not sure exactly what ablutions are, but that fee seems to be considerably less. Now, I don't know if you can then build out your space from there, if that's going to incur more money, what have you. But this is the latest and greatest information that we have from something that they're calling Smoke Slam, the world's ultimate barbecue showdown. So if you are interested in taking part in that first year event, then believe me, there was plenty of shit slinging going on talking about this event smells something's wrong with where's this money coming from like if people have a lot of money it's my understanding that they can throw their money around and i can't name names specifically but people that seem to know what they're talking about as it relates to smoke slam everybody that's involved in this is rich to the tune of b billions so there does appear to be extra money to throw around discretionary income to throw around at this event. So whether you think it stinks or not, whether you think they're trying to put Memphis and May out of business or not is irrelevant. It's happening. And as I said last week, it's going to take place one year and die because they got in way over their head, but they appear to know what they're doing and running festivals. I don't know if they know how to run a barbecue festival, but the people they're bringing in seem to. I'm going to let it happen. And then we're going to make a decision after Smoke Slam in Memphis and May and see where we go from there. That's what I can tell you. Just prior... Sorry. Before we get to the next guest, Backyard version of a famed pit built by who? Aaron Franklin is now available for your backyard. That's right. Franklin Barbecue Pits now building backyard cookers for the barbecue purist that wants to take their craft to the next level. What you have is a deeply thought out, refined version of the old propane style, uh, style pit that Aaron uses in his Franklin Barbecue restaurant. Stylistically, it reflects the kind of bare-bones industrial handmade aesthetic that he loves, as in the patina and the way the build shows you the welds and the craftsmanship. Now, the schematics of a Texas off-style barbecue pit, relatively simple, even if the things happening inside the cooking chamber are complicated dynamics that include physics and chemistry. Very few moving parts here. As we know, numerous and massive differences divide this Franklin pit from the average barbecue smoker sold at the big box store. For one, much of the challenge of building these pits comes with the thickness and the heaviness of the material. Cheap smokers 
are made from thin metal. Not only does cheap metal tend to warp and crack, when sustaining the kind of heat you need to make great briskets and pork, especially on cold days like today, the thinness of the metal just sheds the heat, struggles to maintain heat. That gets you frustrated. And all of a sudden, that cheap offset pit becomes a planter where you toss it out. Franklin's pits made with heavy-gauge steel, American-made steel. The thickness guarantees professional-grade heat retention. You can find one at a certified dealer near you. Go to franklinbbqpits.com. Find the dealer near you. Now, if there isn't a dealer near you, you can still get one if you want to buy one. You can do it right online. They'll ship it right to the bottom of your driveway. FranklinBBQPit.com. Now, if you're a fan of the show and you have a barbecue supply store, you want to become a Franklin dealer, you can do that too. Go to the same website, fill out their dealer paperwork, and then send it in to Matt Gase. He can help you out. FranklinBBQPits.com is the place to go. Check them out for their info. Check them out for the videos. Find a local dealer near you if you have one. And then go from there. We'll be back right after this. Stick around. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Renfe. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in three sizes. Doesn't matter if you're a beginner or professional. It's a cooker you want to add to the arsenal, take with you on cook-offs, or add to the backyard, visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. My next guest can be found doing Wild Game Kitchen. Andrew Zimmern joins us on the show. Oh, what? Wait a second. Let me go to line seven. Andrew. Hmm. Well, we know what the hang-up sound means, don't we? Well, looky here. It's our pal, Jess Pryles. Walking right hey! through that door. Hey, what's happening? How about that? I, Do you take my swearing out in the podcast? No, I mean, it's it's the internet. I don't know if you knew this or not, but there still appears to be a free porno on the internet, so swearing is okay. As soon as <laughs> right. I wipe the internet of porn, then I might have to talk about the swearing, but since we're not on the radio, you know, F-bombs, let's go. That's what I say. All right. All right. All right. All right. I wanted to start in a different place. However, events over the last 24 hours are forcing me to start in a completely different space, which is the passing of John Brotherton. And I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with him. Uh, I'm certainly falling into the category where the name's familiar, but I couldn't sit here and tell you in-depth things like maybe I could on some other folks. So how does the how does the news strike you and are there any anecdotes or stories that you would care to share as we lead off the segment? I think, you know, for those who weren't uh, weren't familiar with John, um the most simple thing is he he had an incredible barbecue joint which is still around obviously called Brotherton's Black Iron Barbecue in Pflugerville just north of Austin. But here's the deal with John. 
John was one of the pivotal cookers at brisket camp. Um, like he's the one who made the things happen behind the scenes. He was known for never wearing pants, always wearing shorts, no matter what, the, what the weather or how cold or hot. Um, he was probably that glue that holds the barbecue community together. He seemed to be everywhere at once. He would never say no to somebody particularly in need, very generous with his time, his information. Um, a lot of people in barbecue, like employees, would end up at Brotherton's just because it was like this safe home where they were respected as employees. Uh, and he was just an all-around good guy. And he also had a line of uh, sauces called Burnt Ends Sauce, as in hot barbecue sauces. And he, um, I was actually at Camp Brisket last week, which was the, he had, he had had his episode mm -hmm. the morning that we all drove to College Station. So we were all, we all knew that something was up, um, you know, and unfortunately he, he was in a medically induced coma and, and never made it out. And they announced his passing, uh, just, just, uh, just yesterday. So, um, there's a lot of, I think that the measure of someone's impact on other people's lives, the amount that you can talk about them and that other people talk about them and mm. the entire Texas barbecue scene, not just restaurants, you know, people, not just barbecue people, just people are touched and, and he touched a lot of lives. And I think that any one of us could be lucky to have that kind of influence on a, on a fraction of as many people as John helped. So he certainly leaves behind a legacy. Certainly appreciate your insight on that. Um, now let's start off the segment the way I was going to start off the segment, which is okay. how we do it. The YouTube poll question of the week. Maybe you don't give a shit about this. Who do you think <laughs> was the biggest loser of super wild card weekend? The Miami dolphins, the Dallas Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, that's a great question, Greg, and I'm glad you asked it. Given that I am married to a Green Bay Packer fan, <laughs> I'm going to say that the Cowboys were big, fat losers. Yeah. Is uh, that right? 73% of the voting public are saying Dallas was the biggest loser of the weekend. Embarrassing. Uh, I mean, it yeah. was a smoke job of seismic proportion with a team in Green Bay that I think is maybe a, a year ahead of schedule. And to put yeah. that kind of a beat down away from their home, is yeah. really remarkable. One we'll be talking about for years. I still contend that the Eagles were the bigger flop. They were 10 and 1. They lost six out of the last seven games. It, this was, as I told everybody in the first hour, a Browns esque type flop. This is something we was would do not, in Cleveland. Was it not sad to see Kelsey go out on that yes. angle? Yeah, tremendously sad. I would have rather seen him win one game just to get off the schneid and then get bounced in the second round. I mean, this is a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. And it's like, let's blow the whole thing up. That's Philly fan for you. Nevertheless, you were right. 73% is uh, where the voting public is right now. And we'll see if you can keep that winning way as we inch towards I'm the end I'm glad they agree the with show. me. Yes, absolutely. I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked for the question this week, Greg. I almost had Andrew Zimmern on before you. And I appreciate the fact that you gave up your normal segment to give space to him, but it didn't work out. But we're going to try and rebook it for next month. How does that relationship come together for you? Well, that's a great question, Greg, and I'd like to answer it. Great. Um, <laughs> Can you? It's actually really cool. Um, Andrew is 
the producer of my forthcoming TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has a production company called Intuitive Content. Um, and I met him in Minnesota, in Minneapolis uh, last year. And so, yeah, I got to meet him. And I remember watching Bizarre Foods as a, as a teen slash young adult in yep. Australia. Um, and so it was really cool getting to meet him and sit in his office and pet his dogs who walk all over you whenever you're hanging out with him in his office. Um, and he's got a studio in, in there too, which is pretty cool. Um, and, yeah, so so it's weird to go to immediate one degree of separation with mm-hmm. someone who you grew up watching on TV. You were there to talk business or you just happened to be there, you run into him and now you're talking and... We, we, we were talking business. Yeah. So I was I was visiting the offices because we were filming a, a, a episode up there. Mm. Um, and they're like, Andrew wants to meet you. Come say hi. So I went and said hi to Andrew, which is pretty cool. Did we talk about how, you, now, how you got the show? Like, how did you pitch it? Or was it pitched to you? Um, someone pitched it for me. So they they knew about me. And they just pitched, I can't, I have to be careful. I can't say too much yet, but I know you want that barbecue central exclusive, even if you have to pry it out of my cold dead hands, but, um, they, they basically, this is what's really weird about it, right? They basically just pitched to the network that it's going to appear on a one paragraph. This is the show. This is the woman who should do the show. She's cool. She's into meat. She's from Australia. She's a hardcore carnivore blah, 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 blah. And that was it. Hmm. There was no framework. And they were like, fuck yeah, light it up. 10 episodes. She sounds great. Wow. That's unheard of. And and I was, I couldn't believe it. I, I just, you know, every like I'm being scammed here <laughs> in my body was standing up. And then when I found out it was Andrew's production company, I was like, okay, well, I know he's legit, right? Who's pitching and, um, Who's pitching you? They're, they're his company. Yeah, but I'd been. I guess I took a. Are, are I don't you remember uh, this. Is somebody like, hey, uh, we're going to throw you out as a, as a potential show option, or are you blind and like this thing's locked up? And they're like, oh, hey, by the way, you interested in doing this TV show that we just locked up for you? I mean, you kind, had some of. radar, or no? They say that I had a meeting with them like a couple of years in advance uh, previously <laughs> that I don't remember. Uh-huh. But I don't really care at this stage, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. If you didn't get a TV show, would that yeah. be a, a great regret of your career? Not really, because if I didn't get a show, it wouldn't be the kind of show that I wanted to do. Hmm. And I think that even now, you have to be careful about how you represent yourself in whichever avenue that is. Um, you know, like I wouldn't do a book now just for the sake of doing a second book. I, I've written a pitch for a second book and I've had people say like, eh, it's, it's pretty good, but it's like a meat book first and a grilling book second. And what we want out of you is a grilling book first and a meat book second. Mm. And it's kind of like, oh, why? So we can have yet another grilling book with the same bullshit recipes that comes out every time of year. Yeah. But you never know. Maybe I'll put out a grilling book next year. I mean, I do like grilling. So there's is, that. Is there money in books? Yeah. I think there is. It depends. It depends on the deal you've got. It depends on the the fine print of the deal. Do you have to pay for your own photography? You know, what your percentage rate is, uh, the international edition deals and all that kind of stuff. More so, I think it's like there's no money in TV, 
or there's not great money in TV. Um, the idea is that, you know, it's the exposure. Mm. And, and the fact, honestly, like, you know, even now getting to sit here saying like, oh, I have a TV show coming out gives you immediate clout, especially in a world right now where anyone can really be self-made on social media. We didn't talk about it last time you were on the show. But you have a new fan in me. With what? Rhymes with Hardcore Carnivore Chili Kit. Holy crap. The long, I was so nervous. The, the long, dirty secret here is, in this house, we have talked about, where's the chili recipe? Like, for years. I think my mom <laughs> sent me one. It's in my literal paper recipe book that I keep on top of the refrigerator. Oh. We just never make it. I can't even tell you why. We don't use my mom's recipe. So then I saw Oh, like you- it's a it's a multi-step like the like long as in Well, my mom's like just- old school cook, so there's no yeah. recipe, so now she's got to go off of what she thinks it is. So, I mean, who knows uh, if it would even hard. be yeah, but that that's how she sure. rolls, you know. So, it's always like, "Mom, give me the recipe." Well, you know I don't have a recipe. So, whatever. Here's the chili kit. Okay, go online, buy it, shows a couple of days later and Man, this is exactly what I'm looking for. About as little effort as I have to put in to end up getting what is a really great chili. Certainly, I'm no chili expert, but I know what I think to taste. You like know what you chili, like, right? Yeah, I know what you I like. You know what you like. And sure. I like this, so it's like undo the packet, brown some ground beef, some onions, add some beef stock and tomato paste, and away you go. A couple hours later, oh, yeah. you have a nice. Uh, what I prefer in consistency chili that the next day doubles up and goes on hot dogs for chili dogs and it's great on there too so congratulations it's great I'm not just Thank blowing you. smoke up your ass I, this ha- is a good I had product. it for dinner tonight no I I, I I get high on the supply you know like it's mm. it's I think 28 degrees here right now yeah it's and cold so, everywhere. which is cold yeah sure but it's Texas like we're not ready for it no doubt um, can I ask you have you seen the internet today do you know what happened with Hardcore Carnivore today? By the way, I don't know if you knew it or not, Jess. You've what? released a new Cajun rub. Hey! Look at you. Now, I don't, I can't show it here, but I don't you have one that it's you can on hold up? I, do you know what? I do. It's in the other room. I didn't even think what? about it. Your, yours? <laughs> I know. I'm an idiot. Yours is currently somewhere in a padded envelope. Great. On its way to you. We do try and make sure that Greg Rempe has all of the breaking news seasonings. Yes. We released a Cajun rub, but I will say about the chili because I shouldn't just discount that. It is only limited edition. So once we sell out of this batch, it doesn't come back again till the weather gets cold. Oh. So if you like it. Okay. So I got to get more. You should probably stock up because here it stops getting cold by like March. But for yeah. you, what? June. April. Sure. It can be June, depending on how the wind blows. So, Wow. Why Cajun rub? Great question. You're really good at those questions, you you. know, if no one ever tells you. Um, Here's the deal with that. For me, it was we have a really great following of loyal fans Mm -hmm. who seem to like my version of the way things taste. I could say, ow, it's mine. I still develop all the recipes myself. And I basically make rubs the way I think that they should taste. So when I was developing our taco 
and fajita seasoning, Tex-Mex. I'm like, this is what I think it should taste like with all of the, you know, every, everyone has an idea of what they want it to be. This is what I think the chili should taste like, etc. Mm. Um, and, and the deal, Cajun is one of those seasonings where it's called for a lot in recipes, you know, like if you're making gumbo, if you're making jambalaya, you know, a teaspoon of Cajun seasoning. And so it occurred to me that I really wanted to do my version of what I think Cajun seasoning should taste like. I've spent a lot of time in Louisiana, um, got a lot of friends there. It wasn't just, you know, oh, I want to tackle that particular flavor. I have a deep understanding of the food there as well. And I sent a bunch of bottles to my friends there because I'm like, if people in Louisiana don't like this before I release it, then I'm fucked. Yeah. Like that's that's kind of a problem. Um, so literally, even though I was happy with it, I wanted to get their blessing and uh, and – and thankfully, they weren't just being nice. So they actually like it. <laughs> I know it's only launched a little bit earlier today, but what's reception yeah. been like into the market? It's It's been great. We have, we. I'm so grateful for our customers and our fans. They are always excited to see something new for us and they jump on it. Like it, it it's, it's an instant response yeah. and um, I'm very, very grateful for it. And then it's like a, it's like a wave. So the first wave is seeing how many people actually place their orders. And the second is sort of waiting that week or two to actually then see photos coming in of people using mm -hmm. it and getting, getting real feedback about it. So it's a, it's a, a, a two part enjoyment situation. I had Mike loose on first hour. He owns a barbecue supply store in the, great metropolitan area of Greendale, Wisconsin. Mm. And I said, how easy is it to get talent up there to help move product? What's it take to have somebody like call you up and say, Hey, would you come to my supply store to do an appearance or like, is that ROI for you? Is that a pretty big push for you or not real? It is. And I, I wish it wasn't. I, because sometimes it can give the appearance that you think you're above it. And that's certainly not the case. You know, I cut my teeth on, uh, you know, small regional appearances at barbecue stores, just giving people classes, getting to meet them one-on-one. -on -one. And, and, you know, like, like anyone who grows a business, it just, it reaches the stage. You mentioned ROI and it's not so much about straight dollars, but if I leave, where I'm at, or if I leave filming, or if I leave my desk, or if I leave something, um, there's a million things that don't get done. Mm. And so to touch 20 people at a class, you have to ask yourself, like, is that the best use of, of my time, which is not just about dollars. And I wish it weren't that way, you know, I especially with es the hardest thing I think about those smaller locations is the travel time because it's not merely a day it's often two to three days by the time you do multiple flights to get there and maybe you're driving as well so i do wish there was an easy way to connect because i think that getting in touch with core barbecue fans is still super important but it, it it's super difficult like it just it is and i think that's i don't know it's nearly the natural circle of things right like mm -hmm. it leaves opportunity for the next person to come up who's maybe starting out and, and in a position we're, we're talking to 20 people is hugely influential for them. Well, we've blown right through the segment. Oh, fuck. But wait. We have to play the game Sweeping the Nation, which is which is better featuring our pal Jess Pryor. Before we play tonight, Jess, 
a little bit yeah. about yourself. Hi, I'm Jess Priles, founder of Hardcore Carnivore, Australian by birth, now living in Texas, and I have better taste in music than Greg. Wow. It's always new. Wow. It's always new. Throw down. I love it. Thank you. Here we go. Oh, I've actually... Wait, I'm on a... I've, I've added a little bit... Yeah, oh, like three or four in a row, at least. Shit, and I've added... I've added a little extra to the show tonight for the game. Okay. Between the two... Which is the better Def Leppard song? <laughs> to help you out, is it the 1983 mega smash hit off the album Pyromania photograph, which sounds like this? Or... Is it the 1987 Mega Smash hit off the album Hysteria, Pour Some Sugar on Me? So, we are in the middle of perhaps the most difficult decision ever. Photograph or Pour Some Sugar on Me? Which one is it? It's actually a really simple, simple one for me, Greg. All but right. I just wanted to pause for dramatic effect. Very it's, good. The, the correct answer is pour some sugar on me. Final answer. Lock it in. To continue a win streak that has never been seen before, she says pour some sugar on me. And of course, the answer is... Photograph. Oh, come on. You're full of shit. No, I, this, I mean, I wish I had the. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. How many times have you heard photograph played at a strip club? You know what I'm saying? Let me ask you a question. How many times do you think I've been to a strip club? <laughs> You've never been to a strip club? Like one time. Not even in your younger days? I, I mean, uh, I, I'm a. I'm a money. You don't know that I'm an ROI kind of guy. So, like, what am I going to spend money for on that? That's it's a not, waste. It, you're not. No, no, no. So you've got to listen. Chris and I talked about. I know you've got to get rid of me. Chris and I talked about that this week, where he's like, there was a place in College Station that used to do free primary lunches one Friday of every month, Ugh. and boy, did they lose money on him because he was literally there for the free meal because he's too cheap to spend money on strippers. But the point is, if you haven't eaten a questionable shrimp at a buffet at a strip club, have you ever really lived? <laughs> talking to a meat scientist here, I can't even believe we're even talking about this. This is mind blowing to me. I, I can't even begin to imagine there would be a what? scenario in my life that I would go into a strip bar to eat food. Like never, never. I, I, can't, I need shit. comments. Holy I need to see what the people think here. I can't. I can't be alone no, here. I mean, well, I don't know what they're going to say about the strip bar. I mean, that just doesn't make any financial sense to me. And I'm never, ever, ever eating food in the strip bar. However, this to me, this is it. This is it. You have this nonsense. Get rid of that. I don't want to hear that. Forget. I don't want it. It's not the intro. It. But it's part of the it's song. It's not the intro. No, it's this. It's no, that right no, there. No, it's not. This song just comes right in. 
This song lingers in. Lingers. That's okay. It's full play. I'm going to go out. Okay, hold on. I almost said something there. I didn't mean to say. You can if you need to. Unfortunately, the winning streak stops at four. The good news is in three months' time, we will reconvene where maybe we'll have another stab at best Def Leppard songs. But the I bottom line recount. is I'm I, right and you're wrong this time around. Your election equipment is off. Your voting <laughs> equipment is faulty. <laughs> We're not bringing in any elections here. Here's the bottom line. There's new yeah. products out. There's the chili kit. Yes. The Cajun rub just announced today. Cajun rub. Hardcore carnivore.com is the place to go. New nitrile gloves to protect your hands and not get all the ickiness. Or, and, or, if you want recipes, jesspriles.com for all the ways to help ramp your cooking game up to top knowledge. Just appreciate the time tonight and we will see you, you in April, I think. Yeah, sure. All right, let's go with it. Yeah. Thanks, Safe. guys. Thanks. Bye. Just Priles right there. All right. So that's Just Priles. Again, the website, hardcorecarnivore.com. And for all of the recipes, JustPriles.com. Listen up, gang. Our friends at Big Papa Smokers have something special for you, listeners of the show. Whether you're a seasoned pitmaster or grilling newbie, Big Papa Smokers offering an unheard of deal. What is that? If you use promo code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E, at checkout, you'll get $10 off your next $50 purchase of rubs, sauces, or accessories. Imagine the possibilities. Evaluate your ribs with Big Papa's Sweet Money or Sweet Money Hot. Get Big Papa's Desert Gold on your chicken or better yet, pick up Big Papa's Double Secret and add it to your steak. Head on over to BigPapaSmokers.com and start shopping today and start saving today when you use promo code REMPE at checkout. R-E-M-P-E. Get you $10 off your next $50 or more on the order. Don't forget to check out Big Papa's full line of recipes at cookingwithbigpapa.com. And of course, follow them on all social media platforms for amazing recipes. We are back. Stick around. Listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. Hey, we thank Jess Bryles for joining us last segment. Once again, it's hardcorecarnivore.com for all the products. And then JessPriles.com for any recipes or cooking tips, videos, things like that. Two different online environments for you to visit. Well, with the dropping of Andrew and then Jess coming in to fill in Andrew, I'm wondering how we close the show. Well, wait a second. Somebody at the door. Who could it possibly be? It's first timer to the show, Barry Enderwick. Barry. Hey. How did you find yourself into this show? We thought we were going to have Jess Pryles in your place, but she moved up and maybe it was kismet. You just knew to knock on the door and come on in. 
I, you know what? She should move up. I've actually used her uh, recipes uh, a few times, so much respect. All right. Well, glad that you are a fan of Hardcore Carnivore, and uh, great that we missed you last week and you were able to, to fill in this week. Uh, went a little long with Jess with the uh, the game, but uh, what can I tell you? Yeah. So let's start off with two game questions for a Barry. Number one, of course, is the YouTube poll question of the week, which is this. Who was the biggest loser of Wild Card Weekend, the Dolphins, the Cowboys, or the Eagles? You know, I, I much respect and love to my friends in Philadelphia, but the Eagles, like, they they had such an amazing run, and it just, they've just imploded. And I, frankly, I'm surprised by that. Um, you know, as a 49er fan, I'm okay with it but at the same time i have i have a lot of sympathy for my friends in philadelphia all sure. right well you are one of the few i'm with you by the way saying eagles collapse was atrocious and of course the biggest one of wild card weekend 12 percent of the voting public is agreeing with us barry that the eagles are the biggest one hmm. uh, running away with it in what we would call a boat race is dallas at 73 percent they think Green Bay coming in and slapping them around a young team and, you know, young everything yeah. at home, by the way, uh, is, is yep. a far worse crime than what happened with the Eagles. I disagree. Is it? Yeah, I, I think that's a good second. But no, I, I think the Eagles collapse. If you look at the story arc of the season, it's mind blowing. The better Def Leppard song, Photograph or Pour Some Sugar Photograph. on Me. Photograph. Wow. Photograph. All right, look at you. Yeah. I think I found yeah. my it, it, long lost triplet, Barry Enderwick. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Pour some sugar on me. I get it. It's Great popular. It, ha it had some good hooks on it, um, but it felt like it was trying really hard. Whereas photograph felt like it was like they were just rocking. Third question that I didn't see coming, but I'm just thinking of. Have you ever eaten food in a strip club? No, no. Who's doing I never, that? I don't know. You know, I I worked at a place in the '90s, early '90s, that had a strip club, and it used to advertise free lunch, and it was just like, what? <laughs> Why? No, that's not worth the price of admission, right there. Of course, free it's lunch free lunch. Who's going to spend money on lunch at a strip club? Number one, and then I, who knows what yeah, question know. number two is. But wow, so we're agreeing on everything here tonight, Barry, which I certainly appreciate. Yeah, I like you better than Jess. I'm going to leave it at that. For the folks <laughs> that aren't familiar, true, okay. for the folks that aren't familiar, Barry Enderwick mm. is running a website and an Instagram channel called The Sandwiches of History, which is mm. an absolute fun delight to watch on Instagram, seeing all these sandwiches that you're coming up with. But before we get into the nuts and bolts of that and what you're trying, what you like, blah, blah, blah. A uh, quick background on the history of Barry, a self-professed college dropout. What happened after that? Well, uh, dropout is making it sound like I made the choice. They actually made the choice for me. Oh, you were invited not to come back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I probably should have taken some time, gone to a community college, figured out some area of focus, and then gone to college. Mm. Instead, I, I wasted three years, declared a major, and then got kicked out a semester later. Um, but that, you know, that's okay. I'm a lifelong learner. Uh, I keep trying new things. I keep trying to figure out what I, I, I'm interested in. And I got into graphic design and started doing that for a while and then got hired at this uh, startup called Netflix, 
back in 2001. Wow. Uh, as the gra- as the graphic designer in the marketing department, it was the company was only about 75 people, um, and then just was able to uh, learn and grow while I was at Netflix until 2012, and left there form a consultancy and. I don't know. Fast forward, uh, sandwiches of history. I think it was two eight, tw- 2018 is when I started that. I'm known for asking this question. I'm not looking for anything specific, but when you leave Netflix, are you financially independent at this point where you can start to pursue other projects or is it like anybody leaving a nine to five or you got to do something else? <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, like, if I had held on to my original stock options until 2016, I would have fu money, but I do not have that. <laughs> uh, um, I, I did well, though. I did, I did, I did well. I was able to to get some financial security and get some assets, uh, like a house and, and cars and things like that. So, I did okay. I did pretty good. But uh, you know, who could have seen Netflix stock going to six hundred dollars? That yeah. was just an ins. You know, because I started when it was it was pre IPO. So it wasn't even publicly traded. So the idea that it would ever go to $600 is just insane. So is the, I did, I did good. Is the consultancy then the, the day job and you're doing the sandwich stuff and then some of those other online uh, properties just for fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, I'm making a little bit of money with sandwiches of history and I would love to make that into a thing, but uh, you know, it's kind of a, a, a slow going. So Growing up, Barry, are you a kid who ate an inordinate amount of Sandos or just the normal? I would say a normal amount. Um, I mean, I did eat things like peanut butter and dill pickle sandwiches, but I, uh, I did not eat a lot of sandwiches. How They're does, good. How does producing the, the history of sandwiches even get on your radar? Where does the concept come? Uh, so I love to cook. I love to try new flavors. I try to uh, try new cuisines, try different things. And a friend of mine sent me the PDF, uh, a PDF of this thing called the sandwich, uh, the up-to-date sandwich book of 1909. And which was hilarious to me because as soon as you publish a sandwich book, it's out of date. But yep. anyway, uh, I thought, well, this would be kind of fun. Let's, let's see what's in here. And some of the sandwiches are just ridiculous. Like they shouldn't have been published as a sandwich, like the dairy sandwich where it's, uh, Two slices of Swiss cheese that you butter and slap together. There's no bread. Oh. That's the sandwich. <laughs> yeah. So to me, it was like, well, this would be kind of fun to do these sandwiches, try them, and just put it on social media and see what's what. So if somebody was trying to pick the sandwiches of history up as a television show, evidently, Jess Pryles has a connection to a production company run by Andrew Zimmer. So maybe we have something here that's gold in waiting. What's the elevator pitch of Sandwiches of History? I, you know what? I don't know. I've worked with two TV production companies to try and pitch Sandwiches of History, and both companies have gotten like, nah, 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 nah. And I think part of the problem is trying to figure out how it goes from something that's a social media thing that's a few minutes long to something that's 22 minutes long, right? Um, and they just can't envision it, or they're just they're burned out on uh, cooking or any sort of food shows or, you know, the, everyone's got their own thing going on every company, Hulu, Netflix, whatever, whatever agenda they're pursuing. Um, and so far sandwiches of history has just not landed. So what I'm hearing is all of these people saying no, haven't given the right thought to how they can make money with it, or they don't think they can make money with it. And so right. they're passing. I think that's a yeah. shame. Number one, 
easily I can see this is 22 to 25 minutes, two to three sandwiches. Mm -hmm. You do the deep dive on all of them and then each individual yeah. segment culminating in kind of what you're doing in your house right now where you're making yeah. it and, and testing it, plussing yeah. it up and all this stuff. This is an easy sell. I think yeah. people were watching it all the time. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I would think so too. And I get a lot of encouragement from uh, folks who follow me on Instagram and YouTube and, and TikTok, but uh, the execs are not buying it. As I go through your videos, to me, mm. it appears the food really sucked between 1880s and the mid 1970s, at least when it comes to sandwiches, agree or disagree. Some, uh, most of it did. Most of it was, is pretty much like, oh, we've got this, we got this. There you go. There's your sandwich. Um, a lot of it was uh, grinding meat into paste with other things to make the meat last longer. So, you know, I get a lot of questions like, why don't they just use slices of whatever? And it's like, well, you know, when you're not, you don't have a lot of money and you've got this hunk of meat, if you mix it with a bunch of other stuff, you can actually make more sandwiches. So, uh, and you can make that hunk of meat last longer. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, there are some questionable sandwiches uh, in that era, for sure. Almost a month ago or so, you make something called a Christmas sandwich. Seemed pretty <laughs> indifferent about it until you, what you call plus up. So you work the original recipe, and then at the end, mm -hmm. you look at it and go, well, maybe it would be better if we added X, Y, or Z. Those are your plus ups. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a catchphrase yeah. that you have. So yep. you uh, you seem indifferent about the sandwich originally. You plus it up with some of your own ingredients. The sandwich is from Dixon, Illinois. Mm -hmm. Do you know who the city's most famous resident is by chance? Oh, boy. This feels like I got you. Um, no, I do not. You ever heard of Ronald Reagan? Oh, is that Bob Reagan's uh, brother? Yes, Bob Reagan. You know Bob Reagan. Yeah, <laughs> Ronald Reagan, his brother, of course. So yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. That's wow. Dixon, Illinois' most famous resident. In fact, okay. in a movie, he was doing some mm. monologue, and he was supposed to say some other city, and he said, no, I want to rewrite the script, and I want to, instead of saying X city, I want to say Dixon, Illinois, and he says it in the movie, and it was a whole big thing wow. in Dixon. Do you know Not who bad. the city's most infamous resident was by chance oh good lord uh john wayne gacy i have no idea wow i wasn't expecting that have you ever heard of the name rita crundwell no, no. rita no. crundwell was, was the city of dixon's comptroller which i think has to do with money it might be a fancy midwestern mm -hmm. term for controller she embezzled 53.7 million dollars over a 20-year period to do what fund her fascination and evidently addiction of quarter horse showing so not racing but doing show she embezzled 50 almost 54 million dollars eventually she's found out and she's brought to justice she's in jail now um really not that's amazing um, not uh, sorry at all and can you imagine this lady sitting in meetings week after week with people pulling their hair out going, where's all the fucking money going? We can't pave the roads. We're going to lay off three more police officers. We can't buy a new fire truck. And here she, she has all the money. I don't know. I can't possibly well, know she, where anything is going anymore. 
she had all the quarter horses. I was yeah, saying. no doubt. She had. A, believe me, <laughs> that and, is amazing. I thought I was swinging for the fences with John Wayne Gacy, but yeah, no, somebody way under 50 the radar. Million for quarter horses, yeah, way like, under the radar. Now, in the quarter horse world, everybody yeah. knew Rita Cronwell because, of course, she's winning everything, and she had yeah. hundreds and hundreds of horses and ranches and acreage and all this other stuff. So, fun fact to throw in in the the next version of amazing. the Christmas sandwich next year. Do you have a process, Barry, of what sandwiches you're picking out of the old cookbooks and then trying in your video? So I tried to do uh, across the efficiency of not wasting ingredients with switching up years and sandwiches. So I, I don't want to repeat. I don't want to do a sardine sandwich on Monday and another one on Tuesday, even if they're from different years. But I also don't want to do a, a sandwich from 1936 uh, Monday and Tuesday as well. So it's kind of a, just kind of like keeping it kind of interesting, both for myself and for the, everyone who's watching, like they don't want to see repetitive things. Like we're going to do all sardine sandwiches until I use up this tin. Um, so I try to, to, to kind of mix it up. I, I do shoot sometimes multiple episodes to take it to, to try and maximize the utility of that ingredient, but they won't post, you know, for another week or two. So you appear to have a second person, running the camera but as i was diving through the videos you have some other type of contraption what do you use to help follow you around i wish i it's in the other room right now but it's um it's basically this this thing that sits on a circular disc and has a motion tracking device at the bottom of it and it holds my iphone <laughs> and it just follows me left to right and that's that's it that's yeah. and it costs like 40 bucks i bought it off tiktok Sorry. Oh, here comes the rock. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, no, it's it's just me. It's a, a iPhone DSLR. Um, yeah. This is a barbecue show and a grilling show, mm-hmm. although not all the time. Mm-hmm. I've noticed no mm-hmm. barbecue sandwiches yet, or have you been able to sneak some barbecue sandwiches in that I just haven't uncovered yet? So there was one that I did, um, the just grabbing by the brisket guys in Texas, uh, did that mm. I wanted to try, which was basically, by the way, they're in bologna. the instant chat right now watching you. Oh, it or not. Yeah. Hey guys. <laughs> um, and they sent me some of the rub. Thank you very much guys. I appreciate that. Um, but uh, yeah, basically you score the, the bologna, rub it with mustard, rub it with their spices and smoke it and then fry it slices mm. of it and make oh. a sandwich. And it was wow. delicious. Now the other one that I've done, that's, a barbecue sandwich. We'll put air quotes around that because it was from uh, 1941's 500 Tasty Sandwiches. It basically <laughs> took already cooked meat and warmed it up in a barbecue sauce that you quickly made. Mm. The surprising thing was it was pretty tasty. It was not like an award-winning barbecue sauce. It was not super complex, but it was pretty good. You ever heard of something called a gooey sandwich? N- uh, no. Mm. So you seem to be a pretty, what I would call, adventurous eater, at least a trier of sandwiches. This is uh, something that, uh, I, so I've never eaten it in my life, but I grew up around it. My, when we would go to my uh, mom's, mom's, my grandma, my mom's side's house for Christmas, inevitably there would be a completely overdone pot roast. And then that pot roast turned into this gooey sandwich. So they had a, a hand grinder that you would clamp to the cabinet or the countertop. They'd put the pot roast through it and they grind it in. And then they would throw uh, Miracle Whip, not uh, not mayo, but Miracle Whip on purpose, which I can't believe. 
and then grated carrots. This thing looked like a disaster. <laughs> and they smacked it on white bread. And my mom and my two aunts and my grandmother sucked these sandwiches down like they were going out of style. And every year, oh and I'm thinking to myself, is this the year that it's going to look appetizing to me and I'm going to try it? No. And then nope. you know, eventually everybody's dying off and you know, hopefully the gooey sandwiches is dying off too. But uh, I never got the balls to actually want to attempt to taste it. Mostly because I would have to ruin a perfectly good pot roast first, which is like main <laughs> ingredient number one. Have you ever had anything <laughs> that uh, revolves around those ingredients? Not those specific ingredients. Mm. And to be for the record, I would try that. Yeah. Um, uh, it it sounds like it would look like what it would look like coming back up. Yeah, um, orange. But you know, I I I try it. I try it at least. I mean, you're talking to a guy who ate the yeast sandwich, which is basically yes. a compressed yeast cake that was moistened with uh, Worcestershire sauce and between buttered bread, and it was not enjoyable. I mean, that but was that, that was a mind blowing sandwich. Like that. That's the one yeah. that told me. I got to get in touch with Barry and see if he would even have any interest in coming on the show to talk about sandwiches. You're taking yeast and rehydrating it into a paste and putting it between buttered white bread. And that's your sandwich. Like, what kind of a world are we living in where that was well, something? The crazy thing is, okay, so I've learned a little bit of history about how that came to exist. And I, apparently in, I think the 1920s, the Fleshman's Yeast uh, Company decided they wanted to sell more yeast. So they uh, hooked up with a marketing firm and they started a campaign saying, eat more yeast for health. And it took off. And people actually did this wow. for like eight years until everyone, you know, their gastrointestinal tract re rebelled or whatever. But yeah. for a while there, eating yeast was the thing. And the sandwich was in that, uh, when the sandwich was published, is right smack dab in that. Wow. It's, it's mind-blowing. Incredible sandwich. Each year yeah. as the calendar draws to a close, a lot of people are out with their best of lifts. They're popping up all over the place. Best three sandwiches that you had in 2023 and worst three sandwiches that you had in 2023. Oh my God. My mind is a steel sieve. So I'm not, I don't know if I'm able to actually answer this. Uh, or I did best, do one best or best or worst. The ones. Ah, man. I'd have to actually go back and check tape to be honest with you. Like I, the, I do a sandwich every single day. Right. And so for me, like to find out what sandwiches were the worst and were the best, I had to go to my spreadsheet. Yeah in order to do that year-end review because i could not remember which ones are the worst um oh man you're what we I call mean, I, when we vote for the baseball hall of fame you would fall into the uh realm of compiler right so you're just <laughs> yes. you know lots and lots and lots of content and through the sheer length of your seat or not season but through the sheer length of your career you've compiled stats yeah. that you think should be putting you into the baseball hall of fame or, or whatever hall of fame. So you're just compiling I, so many sandwiches. It's hard to know which one sits at a top or below. Yeah, it, it really is. It's the reason why I started this spreadsheet is to start tracking this stuff. Like, you know, what is the sandwich? What year was it made? Uh, what did I plus it up with? Would I make it again? Did I like, what was the rating pre plus up? What was the rating uh, post plus up? Cause there's just no way I'm going to keep track of that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'll have to get back to you on the, right, the so best and worst. We'll set up another segment with you to review some 
videos, sandwiches, and then we'll get yep. the best of 2023, we'll the worst of 2023. <laughs> Evidently, my we'll mom. Check yeah, we'll check that. Uh, my mom is watching. Thank goodness. Uh, so number one, she says that those sandwiches were the best. Of course, what's she going to say? Number two, she's asking about if you've ever had a lard and sugar sandwich. I have not. I'm guessing that's that like sounds, Crisco um, with sugar, which I think is no, icing in a lot that's of like, ways, right? I think that's actual. I think that's actual pig fat. I think that's lard oh, with sugar is what she's talking about, which <laughs> sounds interesting. I hope she's never Question had mark? that. And if she has, I'm surprised she's still around. Lard and sugar sandwich. <laughs> I, like, I've never heard of that. I don't, I don't know if she's just going through old cookbooks herself or what. I, well, I, I will say this, that um, there's an era. Uh, and one of the things I do on Sandwiches of History is I, I try to do sandwiches of our history, which is basically doing sandwiches that people send in. That they're like, my grandpa used to make this. or My grandma used to make this. And I want to capture these sandwiches that aren't mm. any cookbooks, but are definitely out there that people have done. And... There's a, a grandma grandpa section uh, or, or kind of like style of sandwich, which was very much informed by the Great Depression, which is like pickle, peanut butter and red onion. You know, it's, mm. it doesn't doesn't really sound like something you would ever put together, but that's what they had. That's what they put together and they loved it for the rest of their lives. So I, I try to capture those and try those out as well. Some are good. Some are less good. I, I shudder to think that my sweet grandmother, God rest her soul, would make a lard and sugar sandwich. However, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to vet this out. If this is a real recipe, I'm going to get in contact okay. with you and plead okay. secretly, as I'm doing publicly, for you to try a lard and sugar sandwich on the Sandwiches of History. I'll try and do some background Stop drilling, you hit oil. Stop drilling, you right. hit oil. I'll do it. No. Now, this also happens to be the same lady, my grandmother who ate what I call bread cereal. White bread, hand-chunked mm -hmm. into a bowl, milk on top, and she ate it like cereal. Bread cereal. You ever heard of that? It's filling. I've not heard of that, but it, <laughs> it's filling, and that very much sounds like a Depression era. I was going to say, oh, <laughs> Depression. This is what we got. How you fucked with us. Yeah. My grandmother's eating bread cereal by choice. Oh, my God. So, all right. Uh, but that's just it. Like, they, if they, they ate it because they had to, and then it became like, I will always cherish this because of the hardship that I went through. So, mm, all right. It's well, a, it's an interesting thing. This is craziness. I appreciate your insight here and uh, for you dropping by uh, after we missed you last week. I'll do my homework yeah, and uh, yeah. jump in with some of the lard and, and sugar stuff. Maybe that's on the, uh, an upcoming Sandwiches of History. And in the meantime, oh, everybody go to sandwichesofhistory.com. Follow Barry over on Instagram as well, where you can see his daily postings of videos from way back when. Um, you should tell everybody old that you know about it because maybe this will bring back nostalgia for them as they're, you know, seeing sandwiches from 1910 and 1909. I think today or one of the ones I just watched today was like 1909. I mean, it's crazy. So, uh, you're doing, yeah, yep. uh, you're doing God's work. No doubt about it. Uh, making sure these sandwiches live on. Well, thank you. Barry Enderwick. Yeah. Barry, appreciate the time and we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. You that got was it. a lot of fun. Thanks. Barry Enderwick right there. Oh, my mom weighing in right now. Never had it at grandma's. Oh, wait. What did she say? Never had it, and grandma's poor neighbors ate them. Oh, uh -oh. sorry for your poor neighbors, grandma. Insane. Let's get whoa, back whoa, to a guy whoa, who has more whoa, experience. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's make sure that we do the right business here. 
Great interview with Barry. Hope you like that. Lined him up. As Andrew fell out yesterday, I immediately got in touch with Barry and said, I, I know it's the last minute. Don't know if you can do this. And we had a little fun with the door knocks, of course, because that's my new favorite thing. Shout out to Howard Stearns. He is the man. Barry Enderwick is sandwichesofhistory.com. Socially, sandwiches of history all spelled out. And if you want the recipe for the lard and sugar sandwich, hit me up on email, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Lard and sugar. I don't even know what to say about that. Before we close the show this evening, let me talk to you about my good friends at JRE Tobacco and the makers of the Aladino brand of cigars. Just in... The 4x40 Petite Corona of the Corojo. Now, different than the Corojo Reserva line. The Reserva is a little bit more especial or special. This is the straight Corojo that they offer through their brand offering. What I found here is the Petite Corona. For me, 35, potentially 40 minute drive to work from my house into the office. And you get into the Robusto size, so that's typically 5-inch by 50, 52, 54 ring gauge. And certainly could never do a, a Toro. I would have way too much left. Oh, Petite Corona? That is like the perfect commute size for anybody that's over a half an hour. Can take up most of the cigar. Great flavor. The burn is great. Of course, you come to know that through any of the Aladino products that are out there right now. So... I would recommend if you're finding that a Robusto or a Toro is just too much for the drive-in, the Aladino Petite Corojo, or sorry, the Aladino Petite Corona with the Corojo brand is the one you want to take a look at. They have them all, Sumatra, Reserva, Corojo, the Aladino Classic. Find a shop near you by going to jretobacco.com and doing their retail locator. As always, samples available. Just hit me up. We're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Let's get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion than he actually has cooking. Once again, here's your host. Greg Rempe. I'm still reeling from lard and sugar sandos. But times are tough. Times are tough. If you think you got it bad, imagining by choice sucking down a lard and sugar sando in your face. Those are tough times. That's why they're called the greatest generation. Not because they're over there fighting world wars, because they're eating lard and sugar sandwiches by choice. Holy moly. All the way back in the first hour, it was first-timer Mike Luce from Barbecue Supply Company in Greendale, Wisconsin. Great insight from Mike. Look to have him on again soon. Then we had Wes Wright from cookoutnews.com talking a lot about the Weber releases over at CES, talking about CES as a place to go to release grills going forward. The GE Indoor Smoker and the 
Sear Grills Perfecta or Perfecto. Again, trying to work on setting up an interview with the CEO of that company, but there's going to be some time zone differences there. Maybe travels to the States. Who knows? We'll see. Second hour, Jess Priles stopped by for a great visit, an extended visit at that, which was great. And then in the bullpen, Barry Enderwick. Missing last week, circling back in this week. Great to have him. Wonderful conversation. Lots of great insight. So next time we have him on, we'll talk about some of his most recent sandwich reviews. And then we will also learn what the 2023 best and worst sandwich was of the year. Big show planned for you next week. We're already at week four. What does that mean? Embedded correspondence segment time, plus a whole bunch of other great stuff coming on. So... Hotaway always leaves September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, it's your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. It's Sam the Cooking Guy, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Some call him a fool, some even call him a douchebag. But I say Greg Rempe is the greatest thing to happen to the barbecue since caveman.